listening to TMZ Movie Crashers. Welcome back to TMZ's Movie Crashers. I'm your host, Fabian from TMZ. I'm your host, Paige from 2Fab. And a lot of movie news this week. A lot of and we're going to get into a lot of it here. Before we do, I know people want us <laughs> to talk about Thor. I know the trailer dropped for Love and Thunder. Um, that's the big buzz of the week. Yeah. Well, I'm here to tell you right off the bat, we are not going to talk about Thor. Other than to say that I don't think it's that big of a deal. And I'm so sick oh of just, I'm so God. sick of the Avengers. I'm, Avengers is over. Like, why wait, are we, wait, why wait, are we wait, still wait, doing wait. Avengers superhero movies? I don't understand this. Avengers is over. Uh, what's his name? Thanos is dead. They they saved the day. I don't understand why they're, we're doing more. And now there's like new gods and okay, okay. new threats. Like, I don't get it. I just don't so, get wait, this. Hold on. Rain me in if you can. Rain you in. Yeah, Rain you in. Okay. Did you see the third Thor? No. Okay. I saw Thor 1, maybe, okay. like a Thor long time one, ago. Thor 1 2, not good. Okay. Thor 3 with Taika, directed by, written by, and directed by Taika, right. is completely different. It's right. funny. It's it's kooky. It's wacky. And, I think and Taika's he's actually, doing the fourth he's doing one. the new one, right. Yes. Right, right, right. So, when you think about like maybe just just watch the third one and then I feel like you're gonna be you're gonna be excited for Thor. I four. just I just I can't, okay maybe I, not excited but like more willing. I just to watch cannot it. justify more storyline. Like what are we doing here? Just never ending threats. Like new alien, new god, new monster. Like well, what so, is so happening? You're not excited. Like Christian Bale is playing like yeah Thor, I know like, Christian Bale's the playing god the new killer, bad guy and, and then and, and then, then Natalie Portman is mighty Thor. Thor she yeah. can rock the hammer and I know people are excited about it. I'm just here to let you know we're not going to talk about it even though we just did. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm not jazzed about it. That's why we don't have a segment dedicated to Thor. I will, I will make it happen that you're going to watch at least the third one. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm going to make it my mission. Just well, quote me on it. Where we can start is the big motion picture. You've got to get a hold of yourself. It's our big topic for mm -hmm. the week. And uh, we are going to be talking about this new Marilyn Monroe movie that has been in the works for a couple years that is supposed to be coming out on Netflix this year, starring Anna de Armas as the blonde bombshell herself. The movie is called Blonde. Mm -hmm. um, it's directed by Andrew Dominic. Um, and Andrew Dominic this week came out and, and had some more stuff to say about it because he's been chirping a lot about this movie, lots of quotes from him over the past several months. Um, and the latest is this. He says that Blonde is going to be, uh, it's, it's, he basically said it's going to be like Citizen Kane and Raging Bull having a baby girl. He spoke to Collider, by the way. He spoke way. to Collider about yeah. this, correct. Thank you for plugging that. Um, and he and he he went on to say that this is like a, a childhood drama. It's mm -hmm. basically about a, a woman who had so much childhood drama and how that that trauma and drama sort of plays out in her, her uh, celebrity life. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, Marilyn Monroe was a nobody once upon a time. And then she became the most famous woman in the world. Still is. Well, she's dead now, but like, you no, know. No, I like, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she, still like, is. And in her time, you're right, yeah. post, post, posthumously, she you know definitely I mean. is. Uh, but for the 20th century, she was definitely one of the, the biggest fixtures of pop culture. Um, and it's interesting, when, when Andrew says here that it's gonna be Citizen Kane slash Raging Bull, that means a couple things to me. One, it's gonna be a character study. And 100%. it's gonna be it's gonna be like a, a, a character-driven film. And at Armas has been, been getting a ton of praise for her role. I mean, mm -hmm. there's Oscar buzz and, yeah. and there's a huge cast attached. Um, Adrian Brody, who plays, I believe, Arthur Miller, uh, who was her, he was like a, her playwright husband yeah. once upon a time. Um, Adrian Brody was singing her praises, I think about a year or two ago. Um, speaking of Collider, he had this interview with him. Let's actually hear what Adrian had to say. It's a, it's a remarkable film. I mean, Anna Darmas is just magnificent in the movie. Uh, I, 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 I was awestruck um, by her interpretation. And at times I felt like I was acting with Marilyn Monroe. So um, so there he is singing her praises yeah. and, and really hyping up the performance. I'm excited to see the performance. 
But again, when Andrew Dominic says Citizen Kane, Raging Bull, okay, yes, character study, deep dive, whatever. But what that also means to me, like both of those movies are very kind of dark, heavy yeah. themes. He called you know, it a tragedy, like a quote, a tragedy. Yes. And, and it's kind of Kane, a nightmare yes, is what he said. Citizen Kane very much so is the same way. Kind of yep. a tragedy nightmare has to do with his childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. In Raging Bull, it's all about domestic violence and about this boxer and fighting these demons and beating on his wife. And when I hear that, I'm like, okay, so he's taking that, he's taking that darkness and he's going to apply it to the Marilyn Monroe story. And this is evident in the rating. The, this movie is going to be NC-17. Yeah. And that's been getting a lot of buzz too. Mm-hmm. Like at first, Netflix was apparently pushing back on that. And then they, they did, changed it. They didn't yeah. like the first cut. It was really strong. Um, but he recently also came out and said that he the final cut is in. Mm-hmm. It's going to stay as NC-17. Netflix yep. has given their stamp of approval. Um, and he's happy with it. And one of the things that he said that he says is going to be depicted within Marilyn Monroe's life or whatever because i think it's sort of like an all encompassing thing like mm-hmm. go, kind of hopscotching through different it's relationships it's based on a fi- it's fictionalized by the fictionalized right. account of it's based on a book a 700 page book and right. it's fictionalized of and it goes through the same thing like through her relationships and her abusive relationships right. and Pe- people have said that this book blonde yeah. is sort of like the quintessential study of the american blonde celebrity the blonde yeah. bombshell if you will mm-hmm. right and the Mar- Marilyn Monroe again sort of in a fictionalized take is yeah. sort of the vehicle to tell that story um, but yeah, so what Andrew Dominic says that's going to be depicted, at least uh, one of the things that's going to be depicted to get this mm-hmm. NC-17 rating is a rape scene. Yeah. And when I heard that, all right, let me, let me just get into how I really feel about this. Okay. I am you very, give it and then I'll, then I'll I'm talk. very worried about this movie okay. and I'm worried about how it's going to depict Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried more importantly of how, how it's going to leave her legacy and yep. potentially tarnished, I might say, mm-hmm. because look, Marilyn Monroe, I mean, She's a sex symbol. Like, I know everyone knows that Marilyn Monroe had a lot of sex and this, all these rumors of who she slept with and didn't sleep with or whatever. Yeah. And I know that's part of her story and part of her legacy, but that's more stuff like you kind of are left to the imagination with, right? Mm -hmm. When you hear about Marilyn Monroe, you hear about all these old stories, you kind of picture it in your head. And and for me, and look, I'm not like a a huge Marilyn Monroe fan, but like, I, I can appreciate... The, the 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 lasting image I have like of glamour. her glamour yes. beautiful yes. like and I know and look I know this movie's trying to be true to her story and like I'm sure she suffered a lot and was yeah. abused and passed around etc but the the point I'm trying to make is I don't want to see that I don't want to see it depicted especially in extremely graphic terms which it sounds like is what he's gonna yeah. do I don't want to see that I don't want to see Marilyn Monroe slash Annette Armas being raped and I don't want to see like the that's strong graphic content and I just feel like. Again, like I'm not Marilyn Monroe's estate manager or anything like that, but for me, if I was, I'd be like, I'd be, I'd be concerned about this. Like, holy crap! Like, what? Are you, how are you going to paint Marilyn Monroe here? Um, and again, like in in the search for truth and trying to be like, let's show the truth of what happened to Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. It's like, hold on a second. Like, what are we actually doing? And and how is this gonna? How is this gonna leave viewers and and thinking about Marilyn Monroe afterwards? It's gonna, I imagine it's gonna taint and tarnish her legacy. I'm very concerned about that. It's actually interesting you say that because that's actually pretty close to how I feel okay, about it. Okay, all right. Because, well, I think there's there's a way that it, I think I'm optim, not optimistic, but I think there's one way if it happens, it could possibly, slightly possibly work. Okay. But I do think, um, especially think of people who are like, Die Hard Marilyn Monroe fans, right? Who still have the posters in their home, and the memorabilia, still, the memorabilia, right. like those people seeing this are going to be like, or people that just never, or fans that never 
they they know about, you know, you can look at her Wikipedia page. You know, she went to hot foster care. She was abused, yeah. allegedly abused by like um, foster parents and people she's passed around to several times. Yeah. She married at 16 so she could get away from, you know. Yeah. So like it was horrible. And just right. like, you know, just reading the Wikipedia, I'm like, this is heartbreaking. This woman is like, not a woman yet. She's a kid. She's she had a, a very hard life. Yes. Yeah, very hard life. And that was just before she even became a star. Then right. it got even more difficult. More so the complicated, fact, yes. And now it's going starting from, you know, her childhood and then going on and how she has all this trauma, it's right. essentially, I'm assuming. And, you know, reading it and then thinking like, oh God, that's terrible. But then possibly seeing it on a screen. Right. Like I'm, again, I love her, but I'm not, you know, like I love the idea of her, like Hollywood yes, glamour, all that thing. stuff. Yes, but like, yes. I don't want to think of her like that. Right. And I don't think a lot of diehard fans are going to be like, maybe turned off and like, oh no, we don't want to see that. I don't want to see, um, Anna de Armas or even any woman, like it's going to be hard to watch, especially a figure like that. And I, so, you know, I agree with that, that I think that that it's might be messy. Messy. Yeah. Yeah. But when I, the only way I think it could possibly work, work Mm -hmm. is if, did you see Spencer? Uh, With Kristen Stewart? No, I did not. That's the one I missed this year. So Spencer is, was, it's fictionalized, right. similar to this, mm-hmm. um, but it was only like one week of fake, like a, not a fake, it was a fictional weekend about what possibly could have happened before um, Princess Diana asked for a divorce. Mm. And okay. And it's like, but it's very haunting. It's very dark. It's a character study. It right. has a lot of, it has like, um, she has like hallucinations. Right. So it's all, that's, that was haunting. That was hard to watch. That was uncomfortable. Sure. But it wasn't, it wasn't NC seventeen, but it wasn't NC seventeen, and it right. wasn't too much. So I feel like this is going to sound kind of bad. But if there's, you know, one legit like full rape scene, and everything else is maybe like alluded or like you see like a door shut or you know something like Law and Order SVU would do that kind of thing, right? I think it'd be okay. But if but if what I'm saying is if the NC seventeen is just for say, sexual content and obviously because of the rape scene, but how much? Is there? Show. Are they going to show? So, do you know what I'm trying to say? I do. I feel like there's a level like where Spencer, it was like that, it was a happy meeting where it was haunting and uncomfortable, but it wasn't obviously NC-17. It wasn't pushing it too hard where I was like, I can't watch this. I got to turn it off. There's, um when, when I heard about this NC-17 rating and the fact that there was going to be a rape scene, and I imagine other sex scenes, which may yeah, also be graphic. Like sexual, yeah, strong the, sexual who, content. Exactly. Like so when I heard about the rape scene though, there's a famous rape scene depicted in this, um, I believe it's like a French movie or maybe an Italian movie. It's like a foreign film. I, I, the name escapes me and I apologize. And even the Italian actress, uh, oh no, Monica Bellucci. Monica Bellucci, very famous Italian actress. She's in this movie. I forget the name escapes me, but the whole the whole plot plays in reverse mm-hmm. and it's about a rape. And at one point in the movie, you see this woman get raped in a hallway. Monica Bellucci get raped in a hallway and it's kind of playing in reverse and the, and the camera at one point, like, is on the floor with her, and it's, you're oh, you're seeing it all in full view, and it oh, is God. so strong, and, like, people, this is, like, one of those artsy movies, right, where, like, people really love it or really hate it kind of thing. It's super polarizing, and, and I heard, like, when that, mo- that movie was first being screened way back in, like, the 2000s when it came out, people were walking out of the theater and et cetera, so that's the thing. Like, I don't want this movie for Marilyn Monroe to become a spectacle like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Even if it, even if it is the truth, even if it is, like, it is demanding film watch or filmmaking and, like, you gotta, you know, gotta stomach it. It's like, I don't know. Like, there's a, like, you can make it rated R and still allude to a rape scene or even, like, like show, saying, show parts, parts yeah. of a rape scene, but cut around it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want, like, a wide shot and just watching Anna Armas get, it's just crazy. You know what yeah. I mean? And, like, and by the way, to Anna Armas's credit, like, 
she has said this is the role of her life. And this he is said the role. he was after the one audition. He goes, "That's yeah." And Anna Armas is a beauty. In fact, I would argue maybe she's maybe even prettier than Marilyn Monroe. That's a different conversation. Anna Armas like, is hot. She's gorgeous, it's and she and she looks the part for sure. Yes. And I, I, she said that she was spending like nine months or so, like with a dialect coach, getting the accent because she's she's a Cuban Cuban, actress. Yeah. So she's she had to get the, the the American accent down. Um, so Anna Armas, look, I'm sure Anna Armas does fantastic work, and I'm going to watch this movie, obviously. Definitely. But I just, I'm very concerned with the NC-17, and again, like, if you're just doing, if you're doing NC-17 for shock value, and then that's a problem for me. And it's, if you're doing that like, for shock is value- necessary? Right, is it necessary? necessary? And if you're, you're not only doing it for shock value, but you're also banking on the big Marilyn Monroe name. Yeah. And you're like, that, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to stop short of saying it seems exploitative, because- in my gut, it kind of feels like that, but I haven't seen the movie yet. So we'll see. I don't want to judge it before seeing it, obviously. But no, just already the vibes are kind of like not sitting well with me. I, I agree. And it's and I it's it's I'm like torn because I want to see Anna de Armas right. in this role. I'm, yes. I love her. Right. And I definitely think she's gonna have like that like subtle, like innocence, but also super sexy, sultry kind of vibe. And I think she's gonna do incredible as I think so too. as Marilyn Monroe. But obviously she was already on like Oscar buzz before the film hasn't even come out. People already start putting it on lists and then, right. and then they pulled it and then they, you know, now it's going to come out later. But, right. you know, I just, I don't know. And I, another thing that's in the book that I'm curious to know if it's going to be in the film mm-hmm. is it talks about her alleged assassination. They basically go into the yeah. conspiracy theory that she oh, was killed. Yeah. So if they put that in there too, that's, that's going to be even more. That's what I'm saying. I just, so I'm like, like it's, with it's the Marilyn Monroe stuff, like it's it's like that's like old Hollywood lore and the the yeah. the, 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 uh, the conspiracy theories that she might have been assassinated and that they staged her death with all the pills and everything that yeah. they found. So if they go down that road, then I'm like, okay, this is and that's by the thing. This movie is being talked about and sort of treated as like a biopic. And it will it may well actually be presented as a biopic and, and have the type of caliber of a of a well-done biopic, but people just need to really remember this is a fictionalized yes. version of her life. And just to kind of take everything you see with a big that's, grain of salt, you know what I mean? That's a great way. I think they need to hopefully stress that. I don't yeah, know if they're they going should. to. Because I think biopics, you know, think if you're a diehard, like my uncle was, is a big um, like Queen fan. Mm. And I went and saw, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody with him. And he was like loving it the whole time. Right. So someone, that, but someone who's like diehard, you know, Marilyn Monroe fan has memorabilia. I feel like they would be, maybe should be like less inclined to go yeah, see it. For sure. You know what I mean? Cause and like, I, I'm going to be very curious to see how the Marilyn Monroe fans. Yeah. And how they kind of come out and, yeah. and, de- and defend her or Because what if they're like, her. you know, freaking in there sobbing, sobbing, you know, like, so, yeah. and they're like, I can't, they walk out. Like, we don't, we, and honestly, it's big, this is all hypothetical because we haven't seen it. We don't even seen a trailer. We don't right. know what's going to happen. But, um, you know, I'm trying to be like, oh, I hope it's not too much, but it's NC-17 and the right. rape scene and what the and what they're going to be talking. I mean, um, the topics and what's gonna be touching I, I, I upon, it's going to be so much. To wrap up what I think we're both saying yeah. is like we're both hopeful that it, it's a it's a tasteful film and that it, and Anna Armas does well and that because we love her, obviously, but like at the same time, it can easily cross that line into getting untasteful and getting too extreme and, and, and being too much. So we'll see what comes of that. Um, and with that, I think we can transition to our next segment, mm-hmm. which we call Casting a Light. I'm going to join this with Betty. This is where we talk about big casting news for the week. And the biggest casting news by far um, really was Ben Affleck and Matt Damon being announced to star in this new 
uh, Nike movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they are teaming up again to again. to write this movie, to produce this movie. Ben Affleck's directing. They're both starring. It's the first time Affleck's directed Matt Damon, too. Yes, it is, 100%. Yeah. Uh, so Ben Affleck is going to be playing Phil Knight, the, mm-hmm. the co-founder of Nike, uh, and Matt Damon is going to be playing uh, Sonny Vaccaro, mm-hmm. who, was, who was the legendary Nike marketing executive back in, like, the 70s and 80s. And he, he was key in landing Michael Jordan at that time. In the yeah. 80s when, Mike, when Jordan was first coming into the NBA and was a rising star. At the time, Nike was a sort of a fledgling, uh, sh- you know, sneaker company for like running shoes, right? Like Nike yeah. back then was not Nike what we know today. I'm wearing like, Air Force Ones right now. Exactly. But, that's what I'm <laughs> but you're, only, you're all probably only wearing those because of Michael Jordan. Like in part, I would argue. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. Sonny Vaccaro was instrumental in pursuing Jordan and trying to land Jordan and and trying to like and in the end he got him obviously yeah that's that stuff and like this film is going to be is based on a the ESPN 30 for 30 film which is like a really good documentary about that whole story but now you're, they're going to be doing the the feature film recreation of it um I, I gotta say I'm and by the way one other thing too apparently there's the Michael Jordan character because I when I read this I was like oh my god someone's gonna play Michael Jordan like that's crazy that's what I thought too apparently not what what they say what they say is that it's gonna be Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro essentially yep. running around Michael Jordan's circle back in like his family his mom and trying to lobby them and trying to like get in his so ears. Like- so, but behind the, the scenes, but the entire time you don't see Jordan at all. Apparently, oh. he's just kind of like like a, a ghost, kind of hovering around. Okay. His presence is felt. Yeah, you, apparently, supposedly, so far, what they're saying is you don't actually see Jordan. So I was kind of bummed about that. I wanted, I, I thought, because I know a Jordan biopic is going to come one day for sure. Um, and I now, especially with winning time out right now, and they're depicting Magic Johnson, Johnson and all this stuff. I, I don't just, know sports, but I knew that they're right, doing Magic Johnson. Exactly. Too. I, I just thought it would have been cool to get a little taste of like a Michael Jordan performance and seeing who would have been cast. Supposedly, he's not, there's not going to be any Michael Jordan in this actual movie, which is a bummer. But with that said, I am so excited about Ben Affleck and Matt Damon teaming up again yeah. because, I mean, look, they famously splashed on Hollywood with Goodwill Hunting back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. They 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 wrote the screenplay for that fo- that film together. They won best original screenplay that yep. year. Robin Robin Williams obviously won for best uh, I think it was supporting actor that year. Um and they they that launched their careers, yep. right? And I think ever since then um, people has kind of wanted them to kind of team up more often than they have because yep. they've only done it twice. They did it for Goodwill Hunting where they actually wrote together. And they did it a couple of years ago with The Last Duel. The Last Duel. Did you see The Last Duel? It was. I didn't see it. It's I, so good. Okay, Check really? Check it out. Because I got so it had, good. Like, really, people were, I know, it was really it had, divisive. It had mid reviews. So I was um, like, mm, it's but, super good. Okay. It's, it's, it, and they both star in it. They yeah. both wrote that movie. They started like nine films together. Exactly. They've like started in a handful of films together. But, but as far too. as like writing, mm-hmm. um, they did. They teamed up for The Last Duel. It's super okay. good. Check it out. It's a really I'll, good movie. And the performances are really good too. But them teaming up for a movie of this caliber to me is just. It's awesome. If you're a sports fan, you this is like this is the stuff of legends. You know what I mean? And in my mind, these are I mean, like look, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. I know they're kind of like Hollywood it boys and pretty boys, et cetera, but they're talented dudes. Acting wise, producing wise, directing wise, these these guys know how to make good movies. Especially together. Yes. And I'm just I'm so thrilled. I'm I can't I'm looking forward to this movie like to no end. Yeah, and I'm not even like obviously. I don't really know much very much when it comes to sports, but right. even I'm excited for this. You, you kind of have the Chicago red on right now. You really did. And the Nike red, you kind of yeah. look like you're from the 90s a little bit. Okay, well, then, you know, cool. Um, <laughs> thank you. But, um, but yeah, I mean, but I'm, even though I don't really know much, obviously, about that kind of thing, I'm looking forward to it. I love stories like this. Right. And it, I think it's gonna be fascinating and someone that I don't really know what, what really happened. I feel like I'm not even gonna like, research some of the past don't about even it. Research. So I can just, just go into go it in blind. blind. and let and, the movie and tell I'm the story. I'm excited. I mean, 
them together. I mean, it already seems like it's going to be like a, like bread and butter, like Oscar bait. Like yes, I'm already is. like Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. Like this, my alarm went off. I, I hate to like, I hate to get ahead of myself because we, I mean, we just said that Anna Armas is getting Oscar yes, buzz. Yeah. Frankly, I got to be honest, this has Oscar's bait written all over it too a little bit. You know what I mean? So. Hey, uh, you don't know, like, they could be like, you know, a year from now and we have all the stuff could be true. We, we predicted, predicted correctly. All this exactly. Stuff so we will see what comes of that. We'll monitor that, but I'm very excited about that. And for our next segment, we like to call the Hollywood Hoedown. We have a very special guest, Liam from TMZ. Hey, hey Liam. Hey, how's it going? Hey. Hey. Welcome Woo-hoo. aboard, dude. Thank you for clapping for me. I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. Yeah, we, we had to bring you on because um, this is about uh, the new Fantastic Beast movie that just came out. It did not perform as well at the box office, uh, and you seem to kind of know all about it. So lay it, on, lay it on us. Yeah, so I mean— Harry Potter, just in general, has been, like, a big part of my life. Like, okay. I was that kid that Same. dressed up for right. premieres. Yeah. Birthday parties, if anyone else dressed up as okay. Harry Potter. Hardcore. They, they weren't yeah. allowed to come into the party. So, <laughs> it was a big part of my culture, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so, so with Fantastic Beasts being, like, the prequels, that's kind of also been a big thing for me. So, mm-hmm. I've been watching it. And obviously— um, it just hasn't performed as well as a Harry Potter movie would. Right. But you mean like the three that have come out so correct. far, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, they've they haven't been reviewed as well as a Harry Potter movie might be. Mm. But um I think with this third one, especially with all the different layers of controversy surrounding the film, yeah. uh, mixed with, I guess, a partial pandemic as yeah. well, that it's just tanked the sales for sure. Yeah, and I can quickly list off the box office numbers. So the Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore, it's the third installment of this prequel series. It uh, domestically made $43 million. Uh, And that might sound like a lot. It did well, I think, like as far as the the weekend and the weekend or whatever, but comparatively to the first two installments, it didn't do well. The first installment made $74 million in its opening weekend. And the second one made $62 million. So the same window, this movie performed significantly less. And not only that, it's the lowest, not out of, not even compared to the other Fantastic Beast films, but all the Harry oh, yeah. Potter all films. The, I imagine all the Harry Potter obviously. films, like, way it's, So it's like it. the lowest Wizarding World. That's like right, right, right. Maybe right, it's like right. what? He's like what nerd? So I'm like, I guess I guess the question, of, like, that's what it's called. I guess the question is, why do we think this is? Because there's all these think pieces that were written this week sure. about. What is the problem with Harry Potter? Is there just a not? Is there not enough juice in this fruit anymore? A lot of people say, is it J.K. Rowling's anti-trans comments? Is it Ezra Miller who was arrested yet again this week in Hawaii for is allegedly it- throwing a chair at somebody? Um, is it Johnny Depp in the fact that he's his whole thing? Although he was kind of recast and replaced, yeah. so you would imagine that would kind of mitigate that. So, what do you make of it? Like, what is it? All of those things? Is it? Is it more than just that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's like such a dark cloud surrounding this film yeah. and like there's people boycotting it whether it's for J.K. Rowling or for um, Johnny Depp right. or uh, the, I'm sorry the recast of Johnny Depp you know right. there's mm-hmm. a lot of people saying that who support Johnny Depp who support Johnny yeah, Depp yeah. say that for Johnny. That's this shouldn't have happened right now. they went through with it um, and then of course Ezra Miller in Hawaii right now which, they're a mess yes yeah. um, keep in mind this opening weekend was a holiday weekend it was. So it was I, didn't, I didn't think about that. I didn't 43, think about that. I think. For a holiday 43. weekend. Um, Seems low, right? Sonic 2 opened two weeks before, made like 70-something 
right? Million yeah. and that wasn't a holiday. Mm. Um, and they're both kind of like kid movies, right? You got Sonic, sure. kid, yeah. Harry Potter kind of kiddish sure. a little bit. And you can tell like this movie specifically is drawing on like that nostalgia of Harry Potter. They're going back to Hogwarts. They're mm -hmm. bringing, uh, they have um, young Dumbledore back, but they have right. like other characters and creatures and stuff that you might right. recognize. So they're getting closer and closer to the actual st Harry Potter storyline. They're moving their way there. And yet they still couldn't reel in Somehow, the money. This one was the most interesting one to me. Now, I still haven't seen it yet. Mm. Um, I have a friend that's making me wait because they're trying to catch up. I'm like, okay. You're running out of time here before <laughs> I just go see it. The spoilers are everywhere. Yeah. I've already right. like, read the entire yeah, thing. Right, right, exactly. Right. But I mean, this was one that personally I was really interested in seeing because of how it ties into everything. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting and a little confusing that it performed the poorest out of yeah. the three. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think this really attributes to that dark cloud, like I was saying, that right. there's a mixture of things that are going wrong. People are finding different reasons to boycott this movie. Right. And so In I— In an era when people are so willing to boycott a lot of things. Sure. Yeah. Today's sure. day and age, it's Yeah, like, they're kind of looking we, for excuses. Exactly. I think it's hard to ignore um, all of these issues um, in terms of the factor. The I, I got you. So do you, so you think it has more to do with the outside— Real world slash muggle is that the right yeah like, like muggles yeah yes. so, do you <laughs> think it's like, so is it outside thank you is it, is it outside factors that you think are actually p playing into like the box office numbers or do you think it's the fact that people are just sort of exacerbated and kind of like tired of Harry Potter in general is that is it Harry Potter fatigue or is that not the case. Well, they have two more movies left in them if they're going to move forward. That's right, because they announced five at the, the time, right? The series is set for five. So, um, by the know, way, real quick, I yeah. want to say something. Um, so. What's so shocking about this with the, the $43 million domestic, um, J.K. Rowling was at the London premiere just a, less than a month ago, and she was on the red carpet, and she was so stoked. And speaking to that those five films, because she announced that way back in 2016, um, but this movie had gotten delayed because of COVID, et cetera. So when she was on the red carpet, she was actually thrilled that it was finally coming out. And you got to imagine how upset she might be now seeing the numbers and now seeing all these question marks. We actually have the sound of J.K. speaking of it. Let's actually listen to it real quick. It feels amazing because obviously it's been a long time coming and COVID has done some very terrible things in the world and so our problems were not big compared to most people's with COVID but we had to change a setting and things were delayed so it's amazing to be here with all the creators and the fans and finally be celebrating the movie. So that was a Reuters clip. Shout out Reuters for getting that because they were at the premiere. Um, but as you can hear, she was super jazzed about the fact that it was finally coming out and I'm just kind of curious because, like, you know, this is sort of JK's baby. This is her heart and soul. Do you think it affects her? Like, I mean, because when the when it performs this badly and there's all these question marks about where does it go with the franchise, do you think she thinks, well, don't worry, the, the, the deal is done. We're making two more movies regardless. Or do you think she thinks, oh, shoot, Warner Brothers is going to, like, have a meeting with me or something over this? Do you, what, do you, what do you make of that? I think that's definitely a possibility. I think I don't, I don't think anything's set in stone for the last two movies that's as true. far as yeah. what I've seen. Yeah. They could pull it. Um, you, something that we haven't mentioned yet is that it's been out overseas for two weeks now. Mm. So it released, it's made uh, 150 million uh, okay. overseas. Okay. So it's doing well over there. So right. that's something to consider as well. Yeah, is but that. this is an expensive movie. I think it, it costs for like sure. $200 million or so to make of a budget. So yeah. like, I mean, they're they're sort of kind of making their money back. But when, when studios put movies out like this, they're trying to like, not just make their money back, they're trying to make a, a, a large profit. And so far, it seems like it's kind of struggling to get there, you yeah. know? And I think that there's two other factors that I feel like we need to talk about. One of them 
we can't forget that we are still in a pandemic. Right. Even though it's better, knock on wood. Right. We're not in an, we're not in an endemic yet. It's still a pandemic. And mm. since this is a kids' movie, it is more kids. Well, a lot of kids see it. Right. I feel like some parents. Obviously, I'm not a, I'm not a parent, but I feel like some parents are still even more. Uh, maybe picky about what they're going to go to the movies to take their mm, kids to. Right. And even in general, people are, as we've discussed before, when it comes to theaters and versus streaming, people are even more picky right. about what films to go see in theaters. So if that's the case, then why would they not go see this type of a movie, which seems family family friendly? It's like a huge IP. You know what I mean? Well, like- the other thing is, okay, so well, the other, the other thing I think because of that is the second one, like, was not as good as the first one by far. That's true. Okay. Like, story-wise. You guys are the Harry okay. Potter people. So I story have not wise, seen yeah, the movies. Yeah, so I adored <laughs> the first one. Sure. And I only saw the second one once in theaters, and then I didn't see it again until a couple days ago, and mm. I rewatched it. And I liked it better than I remembered, but it was still as— um, Not nearly as good. As my uh, senior producer at 2Fab, Brian, said, he's like, they're just it's, it, they're just doing too much. Mm. And it is. They're, they're trying to put too much in there. Right. And you can tell they were like— Trying a little too hard, like, oh, we got to get in this, we got to get in this to get that more. That was the people. one that Johnny Depp was in, correct? Yes. The sequel. Yes. The and Crimes then, of Grindelwald. And then this the new one, two. he got recast. Okay, got it. Also, another thing, um, before I get to the other factor thing, another thing that I'm curious about what you think about. Sure. They didn't even try. Um, I don't know if you've seen what Johnny Depp looked like in the Crimes. Yeah, he of had the hair all like flipped up, spiky Mads and Mads Mikkelsen stuff. doesn't look. No, at Mads Mikkelsen has his they, hair down. They, and it doesn't and look anything the, like him. And it's like platinum blonde, white face, like Johnny Depp had platinum blonde, white face, and scars then, like, and the stuff. The scars and stuff. Right. And then Mads Mikkelsen the looks absolutely nothing like him. I was like, mm. you would think they would at least attempt to make them look similar. Yeah. I feel like as a kid, I'd be like, it's almost what's... like somebody that was in the room was like, you know what? Screw it. Let's yeah. Just, let's I feel just like do whatever. As a kid, I'd be if I was seeing that, I'd be like, I'm confused, mom. Like, what's happening? Like, who is that? But the other thing that I'm curious if you have you noticed this. I feel like, and again, just to emphasize, obviously we work in news, we're on Twitter all the time, we're on social media all the time. Yes. We're reading stuff all the time. I feel like this film wasn't marketed very well. Ooh. Yeah, I saw a lot of marketing at the very end. Yeah, like, like it was like they were like throwing it in. Like yeah. throwing TikToks in and yes. with the cast and stuff. And right. it was like, it felt, I don't know if that was because it's been delayed and delayed. That That's they what find, I was thinking. They weren't sure what to do and when to market. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. It felt like there was nothing and then like, it was like a week sh- before. Shut yeah. down right. all of a sudden. Yeah. It felt like, yeah, I felt like there was like nothing. And then suddenly I was like, oh, there's a Mads interview. Like, oh, the, there's yeah. the cast at BuzzFeed. Like, oh, there's Eddie Redmayne talking to BBC. Right. And it was like, that wasn't like the past week. And then, you know, then you see something like Thor, which is already starting press and that comes out in July. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I just, and I understand because it maybe it is because it got pushed back and they were just scrambling. We got to book these people, but I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe they did more press in other countries. Maybe they did more in the UK, the, which is totally be getting, a possibility. But getting back to your point earlier about these outside factors, J.K., Johnny Depp, Ezra Miller, like I think when look Warner Brothers, it seems like they're kind of playing a lot of the stuff sort of on the fly, just kind of monitoring. Like, how does the public feel about this, right? Because mm-hmm. the Johnny Depp trial, which is currently underway right now, has been kind of in the makings for the past several months. Right. I think Warner was monitoring that. JK, like with her her recent comments. So I think what, what Warner might have been doing was like kind of seeing, okay, like how does, the, where, where's the temperature in the room on this? You know what I mean? On JK, on Johnny Depp. Ezra Miller came out of nowhere, like, like two arrests and a restraining order out yeah. of Hawaii out of a sudden. They had a, uh, they, uh, Warner Brothers had a meeting about Ezra Miller yeah. not too long ago as it pertains to The Flash because they're involved in that movie too. So <laughs> I don't know, maybe the marketing, the lack of marketing has to do with the fact that they were kind of just kind of playing it safe for a little bit until the very that's end. That's a good they, point. You know, I, that's kind of my read on I it. I see that. I could see that because maybe they were just 
they didn't want to, I don't know, cause any more damage right. possibly. Right, 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 right. Um, but I know that Warner Brothers reportedly that they are waiting to see obviously how the film does. It's not doing too well so far. Yeah. And seeing how people respond. Um, the rap reported that it could take possibly weeks or even, I think even months, they said, if before Warner Brothers makes a decision about the fourth and the fifth film. Wow. But I feel like I'm curious what you think mm-hmm. they would have to do moving forward. Because I don't, say if they do, the fourth film is Greenland. Yeah, Liam, okay? how, how do we recapture the magic No, here? yeah, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Do you, but like, okay, so say, okay, if, if the, the other stuff, you know, Rowling and Depp and Ezra, say that all that stuff fizzles out. Mm. What do you think like they need to do for the fourth film, even though you haven't seen the third one yet. Like, what do you think right. from an outside perspective? Well, I think um, personally, I think nostalgia stuff works uh, a lot, and so what they're doing here should have worked, and right. I thought would have been a great way to start to tie everything to get that in. original audience back in, kind exactly. of thing. Right? It's like because um, a lot of people who grew up with Harry Potter are, like you said, like adults now. Sure. Right? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it's like what, um, spoilers, but it's been out for a decade, uh, right. Deathly Hollows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like part one of Deathly Hollows was away, and then part two, they come back to Hogwarts. Mm. Yeah. Like that was kind of, even though it like wasn't that much of a jump in time, it was like that thing where it's like we're bringing you back to the place you know. Sure. The characters you know and all that stuff. And so this is what they're doing with the third movie. I think they have to dial it up. Uh, with the if, nostalgia factor you mean? If or? everything works out and everyone's good and we're all cool. Right. Um, I think that's the only way to really save it is to just tap into that even more. I agree. And I think nowadays people just love, especially millennials, sure. love nostalgia. Yeah. So I think they really just, but without, they need to make sure they don't, you know, go too far with nostalgia in the sense they don't try to like change like stories. They don't like, oh, this is Harry's, you know, well, long lost so-and-so, yeah. you that, know. To that point, speaking of Harry, um, we talked about this uh, a little bit the other day yeah. and how, um, what's the, the the final sort of chapter that's sort of canon? It's a play. Uh, Curse pl- Child. Yeah, Curse Child. Child. Okay, yeah. so look, in my mind, they should ditch fantasy, compl- all, all the, the Fantastic Beasts completely just go back to Harry, go back to actual Harry Potter stuff. Like, let's, I want, people want to see Radcliffe again. I know he's not up for it. He's, he's publicly said recently, I want nothing to do with Harry Potter right now. I mean, I was, I dedicated like 10, 12 years of my life to that. And I, I'm, I'm entitled to like explore my movie career elsewhere. But I think like Warner, like big picture, like, like get back to Harry. That's what, that's what people want to see. Am I not, am I wrong? Like, have you, have you seen Chris Child? I've read. It's a, it's a play, right? Yeah, yeah I've read it too. Yeah, yeah. What I, it, I want to see it. It's very divisive though. I mean, I dig it. I dig it yeah. too. Okay, cool. But some people not like no. Well, that, <laughs> we're not not, not, not yeah. divisive. Yeah. Well, because there are some fans who like because it deals with like you know time going travel, back in time. People are like, right. well, why do they change that? I mean, that thing ends up like right. fully being changed. Because spoiler alert. alert. Actually, yeah. I'm not going to spoil it. But yeah. spoiler alert. Yeah. Harry and them end up actually not. They let everything play out. So <laughs> yeah. I'll just say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But no, what I think. I mean, people have talked about that, about, like, why don't they do a Chris Child right, film? they should. And I, they will. I, they, I know, they're going they to, eventually. Once the paycheck is big enough, Daniel Radcliffe will come back around. Yeah. But that's that's how I see you save the franchise. Bring him back. And I get it. They're trying to milk as much out of this franchise as possible, and it's an ever-expanding world. So, Or maybe perfect she should write example, a new book. I don't know. A perfect example, though, was how much people, or people, fans, loved the anniversary special. Sure. That's right. I adored it. I cried. It was yeah. 
beautiful. So I think I'm like, hey, look how, look at, they should say like, oh my God, look how many fans tied it, like um, tuned into this. Like we we want more of that. And, and, and to that tap point. tap into that nostalgia. They ta- exactly. You yeah. said it right there. Yeah. They tapped into the nostalgia, bringing back the key players. People, well, they want to see their original cast again, in my opinion. So I don't, sure. I don't know. So we will see what comes of that. But I think yeah. you need to watch them now. Should I? Oh, You've seen the Harry God. Potter movies, right? I've seen like the first two, maybe. But like, okay, I just, we're gonna have a marathon. Can we watch it here? Can we put? Yeah, three yeah. On? We just put. Yeah, maybe we yeah, might need to do we that. We have popcorn, cool. so let's. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was great. Um, so yeah, thank you, Liam, thank for, you joining so much us. for joining yeah, us. Yeah, your, your expertise. You're thank welcome you. anytime. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. We'll have you back for I'll sure. I'll be here next week. Yes, hundred percent. Thanks, dude. Awesome. Nobody else can do this job because they got too much feeling. Should we go into our last segment? I think so. Already? We can go to our last segment. Okay, so our last segment is coming soon. Mm -hmm. And where we're going to talk about a film and an actor, a film we're very excited about starring an actor, The Unbearable Weight of Massive massive Talent, starring Nicolas Cage. um, He plays a fictionalized version of himself. This film, we are both super excited to see. I am. It has, critics love it, fans love it. It has one of Cage's, highest, he got one of the highest Rotten Tomatoes scores of his career. Right. Um, it's at like 94, which is still fairly high. It right. was at 100 for a while and it went down a tiny bit, but still 94 is awesome. People are embracing this movie. People are They're excited. It. And the reason is, and we actually, we should just cut to the chase. The reason is because Nicolas Cage is playing a fictionalized version yeah. of himself. And, it, and what people have said about the movie is that this is an homage to, to Nicolas Cage's Cage. yeah. movie career, which is storied. He's got over 100 acting credits. And Nicolas Cage just leans into all of it. The good, the bad, And he, like, makes fun of himself. Yes. And it's, like, kooky. And, like, even just yes. the trailer, I was like, I'm in. Pedro like, Pascal's yes, in it. Tiffany Haddish him. is in yes. it. Like, I mean, it's it looks so good. I'm definitely going to go see it. But Nicolas Cage had some interesting comments. Yeah. He's been doing a, a big press run this past, like, month and change. Yeah. Um, and over the weekend, he spoke to Rolling Stone so Nicolas Cage's career is quite he's interesting. He's had some hits. He's had oh some my. misses. Lot, well, he's yes, he's had he's had several hits, not as many misses, but a good handful there's of some. yeah. There's yeah. A, good, a good amount of misses, and he's an Oscar winner. Obviously, he won for Leaving Las Vegas yeah. way back when, rightly so. You know what I mean? And so here's the thing: Nicolas Cage's career, like in the '80s, who was kind of buzzing, like, bubbling up as an up and coming actor. In the '90s, really took off. Leaving Las Vegas came out. He became an Oscar winner, getting booked for heck of stuff. And then in the 2000s, took off even further. Like, National Treasure came along. Like, he was in, like, Adaptation, Lord of War, The Family Man. That was a great movie. I love The Family Man. I'm skipping over all the good stuff. Con Air, um, The Rock. like. Uh, face off, yes. Yeah. Face yeah. off, yes. That's a classic. So <laughs> I was that's like, what I'm saying. Like, Nicholas like, so Cage has bounced around from like comedy to action to drama to this and that. And he's he's a versatile actor. Totally. And he's such a unique actor with such a unique type of like voice and stuff like that. But what has happened with Nicholas Cage after the 2000s, after all the national tre- treasure buzz, if you will, mm-hmm. sort of fizzled out the with him. The first two films. Yes. Yeah. After that, like around 08, 09, what started happening with Nick Cage is that he started acting in a ton of, like, B-movies. Yeah. Like, straight-to-video-on-demand movies. Like, straight-to-DVD type movies, right? Mm-hmm. And and look, there's... There were some, there were some there good some, ones there in some, there. There are some standout performances in that bunch. Yeah. And, but there's mostly... I, I'm not going to say there are mostly stinkers. I'm going to say people... Let's say that there's a lot of people who think there are a lot of stinkers in that 10-year period. Because, like, from 09 to, I would even argue, up until, like, recently, like, 2020, maybe. That's, like, a 10-year period, more or less. Yeah. He was in a lot of B-movies. He was like acting and churning out a lot of B-movies. And what Nicolas Cage said to Rolling Stone was, there's a misconception 
that I was phoning in these performances and that I didn't care and that I was just cashing in and cashing in. And by the way, he doesn't. He was. He was. For he, months. He, he did get, he, he was in debt and he had to Yes, know, he did. He, yeah. he owns up to that. He yeah. was, I, I was in debt with the IRS. He owed millions of dollars. Now he's out of debt. He, he reportedly squandered his mm-hmm. like $100 million fortune on a bunch of lavish, like crazy stuff that he bought. Um, so he was essentially taking on all these roles to climb out of that debt. But what he says was two things can be true here. Yeah. One, I was trying to pay off the debt and mm-hmm. I was getting a lot of work and booking a lot of work for that exact reason. But two, I was taking the work seriously. I was, I was doing movies that I thought mattered and I was doing roles that I cared about. And I, and he says that I gave my all for all of those performances. And he called it the best workshop, the best acting class mm. I could have. Which is, which is actually. Which is fascinating. It is. And it's, I think that rings true because like, like, look, if you watch, I've seen, I've seen a handful of these movies. Like, like Bad Lieutenant is a famous one for like from 09 where he's with Evan Mendez. He plays this like a uh, Louisiana cop oh, yeah, slash Lieutenant. And who, who essentially is corrupt and he goes around like on a ton of drugs and he's like, he's like busting is drug it like dealers. Campy? It's super campy. Okay. And like Nick, Nicholas Cage's performance in that movie is so over the top. He's like, he's like, there's like a famous meme. He's like, like eyes wide and stuff. It's crazy. Is that so a gif? It's like a popular it's a, it's a, gif. It's a popular yeah. gif. So, yeah. so, I'm saying, so when Nicholas Cage says, with all these B movies, like Mandy, I I, can, I I mean consider Mandy's sort of like a B movie, that but one like has like decent reviews. Has, he was really good in that. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, and he says he kind of includes Pig, which came out like a year or two ago. Pig is not a B movie. Like no. that was like an indie film where he was, I was so stunned by his work in that movie. He was, that was a critically acclaimed it was role. A, it he was a great. fantastic role. Yeah. So, but I'll say this, I'll take his word and say that all these movies, these B movies that he did in this 10 year period, I can actually, I, I will agree that when Nicolas Cage acts, he acts, even yeah. if it's absurd, even if the even if the script is one hundred and ten percent, even if the script is crappy, like mm-hmm. he gives it, he goes in, he'll yell, he'll strip down, like he'll fight people, like he'll do whatever, and like you like, again, he even notes it himself. Some of it worked, some of it didn't, but yeah. like to to say that I was phoning it in, to say that I didn't care is wrong. And he he says he actually says some of my best work. Mm-hmm. He says, I would put this 10-year window of B-movies I did, some of those roles, up against some of my best work for my previous 30 years yeah. in Hollywood, which I found astounding because, again, like his his previous 30 years when he was like on top of the world, he has like some iconic roles, some iconic movies. So for him to say my iconic stuff, in my mind, is right here with my B-movie stuff, that speaks volumes to me. That just says Nick Cage loves his work, respects his work, and he's proud of it, you know? When, so good for him. And that's very, you know, I feel like we never hear that. You always no. hear about B-movies B or video on demand. It's like celebrities seem like, they, or actors seem like, oh, I don't want to, you know, they kind of yeah, are just ashamed of it. Or yeah, just like, ashamed you know, of I had to do it, whatever. Right. You know, um, and then like years, yeah, years later, they say that, but not, right. not during when they're doing press or whatever. But but he's almost like, you know, he's proud of it. He's, he's owning, owning it. up to it. Mm-hmm. So honestly, like, it seemed maybe maybe it was the, the best thing to happen to his career. Possibly. In fact, we actually have we have some sound of Nick Cage actually yeah. speaking directly to this. Let's hear it. One of my mantras has been, I never had a career. I only have work. And I like that. It's amazing how inspiring that is if you adopt that as, as your path in whatever job you have. If you just look at the work in front of you and you do your best and what work means to you. But in large, I feel blessed. I feel that I've made movies with people that genuinely enjoy cinema. And I've worked with some of the most interesting filmmakers and storytellers and actors around. So it's been good for me so far. So there he is right there saying, I am, I am proud of all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, and he embraces it all. And I think that's what that's what people love about Nick Cage. 
he's such a unique actor and such a unique guy in general. And I, I love the fact that he loves to act and loves to make movies. I was going to say the one thing, you know, just hearing that clip and just what we're talking about, you, the one word that comes to mind is just passion. So much passion. Yes, 100%. Like, you know, they say, um, you know, have the right career, but never work a day in your life. Like, right. he seems like he just loves the good. He loves the bad. Yeah. Just pure passion and loves what he does. And 100%. I think, and I just, I'm so excited to see this film. I am too. And uh, I'm so I happy that he's, you know, he's back. And by the way, apparently he's paid off his debts yes. already. So now yes. he, maybe, so, and the thing is like, I, with this movie coming out, it's getting a lot of buzz. Um, I'm hoping that Nicolas Cage can maybe leave behind the B-movie mm -hmm. stuff. Like, not that it's, I mean, he seems happy with it, fine. If you want to do more, great. But I'm hoping that, like, more, he can get back into the mainstream. Yeah. And even the indie stuff, like, I'm telling you, Pig is an indie movie. He really acted his ass off in that. And even, but I'd, I'd be happy. And I would welcome him with open arms. Like, come back to the mainstream. Yeah. Let's get you back in National Treasure 3. Like, let's do <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love like, Nick Cage. I know. And I think, you know, he's, you know, Pedro Pascal, Tiffany Haddish. Yes, they all big, love him too. You got some big stars that are in this yes. film as well. So I think even people that maybe aren't familiar with Nicolas Cage films that even aren't big mm -hmm. Nicolas Cage fans they're going to be introduced. Can be introduced. Yes. And they're like, oh, what's that reference from? He's yelling. Well, that looks cool. What movie is that from? Exactly. There's, and now they're going to so go many... back. I feel like it's, he's, it's his fan base is going to grow. And I hope that, yeah, more studios come and he gets in some bigger roles because yeah. we want him back on that big screen. What you just said is so on point because you're right. Like there's a lot of people, you know, new, new young movie yeah. lovers who don't really know Nick Cage and haven't really explored it. At this movie is there's so much inside jokes, so many inside references to old movies of his, and it's going to be like a little bit like an anthology, like an index. Yeah, the kids are kind of go, kind of go through the list. What is the reference here? What is the reference here? They're going to go back watch old Nick Cage. And movies. Pedro Pascal plays like a mega fan. Yeah, so he's like all his memorabilia exactly. and stuff. So I, think, like, What's I, that? What's I think that? this movie is really going to help Nick Cage. Um, I'm happy to kind of see him get back into the fold here, and I'm just so happy and excited. So yes, unbearable weight of massive talent. Definitely going to go watch it. You guys should too. Can't wait to see it. And with that, I think we can wrap things up. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we are on Apple, Spotify. YouTube, iHeart, anywhere you get podcasts, check us out, uh, and we will catch you guys next time. Mm -hmm.